The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Evelyn MacArthur, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. Good morning, Mitch. So talk to us about, first of all, your new role and uh, I suppose what are you planning on scrutinising first? Well, thank you very much, Mitch. Um, It's an honour to be uh, uh, appointed to this position. It's actually more or less what I've been doing. Uh, There's lots to hold this government to account for. They are anything but transparent or accountable and I'll be just be delving further into every department across the entire state as to the misappropriation of uh, any monies, the uh, uh, weird appointments that they might make, the new quongos that they might set up, uh, indeed the sort of abuse of taxpayer money but also taxpayers and citizens rights and uh, liberties. I saw you walking into that uh, leadership meeting with Matthew Guy and uh, you were very close with Richard Reardon. Can you talk us through what was going through your mind and why did you think it was time for a change in the opposition leader? <clears throat> well, it should be no surprise to anybody that I was supporting uh, a change uh, from Michael O'Brien. I'd supported the leadership challenge in March earlier in the year uh, that was unsuccessful, but um, nothing had really changed. So, in fact, it probably got worse. And so I, I thought we we have to do something uh, because we're letting down the people of Victoria if we don't. So I was happy to support uh, the election of Matthew Guy as leader. What's the opposition doing now that you weren't doing under Michael O'Brien? Well, I think you've seen a totally different approach to everything, Um, totally focused on how we make Victoria the greatest state uh, in the country, uh, restore uh, everything that's good about uh, Melbourne, the most livable city in the world. It's it's, uh, the deadest city in the world at the moment and and totally ensuring that uh, regional areas uh, benefit from the recovery and and. Uh, get out of this dreadful COVID malaise that we're in where nobody else in the world has been locked down to the extent that Victorians have and so many areas in my electorate have been locked down and out. Now, you know, frankly, in my view, uh, lockdowns are for people in prison and we think very carefully about locking up prisoners for 23 hours a day but this government's thought nothing about locking up the citizen innocences citizens of Victoria for 23 hours a day. And let me tell you, the other extraordinary thing that's happening is we don't let Victorians back into this state. There are people stranded all over Australia who can't get permits to get back to their homes. Whoever thought this was going to happen in this day and age, in this democracy, in this country? I'm appalled that state premiers are using... Um, borders like iron curtains and we're locking out people and uh, I know Sarah Henderson's been on your program this morning talking about this we're all inundated uh, with people who are just stranded as some in dreadful situations of compromised health and compromised financial circumstances Um, now this has all got to change and of course we've heard nothing from this bevy of Labor members of Parliament who operate in our Geelong area 
you know, from Libby Coker to Lisa Neville, who's back at work apparently, to John Arend, to Christine Cousins, to Richard Miles, to Darren Cheeseman. What on earth are they doing about ensuring uh, the people of their electorates and the whole state are, uh, are, are operating better? Um, it, it's shocking. How would you run people coming back to Victoria? Because I recall that early on in COVID, before we had the hotel quarantine situation, they initially directed people coming in from overseas to quarantine in isolated home. But I think they found pretty quickly that people were not doing what they said they were going to do. They were going to the supermarket and traveling all around the community. And that's how the virus spread back in those early days. So how do you run people coming in from interstate? And how do you actually make sure that they are quarantining and keeping up their end of the bargain? Well, seriously, Mitch, at this stage, we're now nearly two years into this entire scenario. This state government took an inordinate amount of time to get an app organised. We've now got, uh, you know, a QR code that we're meant to sign in at places. Look, we've also got high levels of vaccination and they're getting higher every day. So I think, you know, we've actually got a be a bit respectful for for Victorians and Australians. Most people, the very vast majority, want to do the right thing. And uh, all these people want to do, and many of them are in an elderly situation, they just want to get back to their house. The last thing they want to do is either get the virus or spread it. Um, But, you know, the, the... the worst place you could probably go in this state is into hotel quarantine. Um, that's where we killed the vast majority of people. So I think home isolation um, has to be a factor in whether we're bringing people in from interstate or overseas. But look, if Victorians can't back, get back to their house, then there's something wrong with the system. Would you support them going through hotel quarantine? If the Premier says, no, we can't let them go home because we can't enforce it, they'll actually stay there, would um, that be an acceptable alternative that they just go into hotel quarantine for two weeks? Well, no, I don't think it would. I mean, they've already incurred enormous expense because they've been locked, uh, you know, uh, somewhere, often, you know, out in the outskirts of a caravan park. I mean, they're all apparently full in most places and they're just camping on the roadside effectively. It's a terrible situation. Or else we're telling people that they've got to drive virtually non-stop to get here, and I've had many cases with compromised health situations where that would be just impossible. Apart from that, we recommend people have a two-hour stop, I mean, a a stop every two hours um, to to drive safely. But, you know, the the health system here in Victoria is saying, no, drive straight through. Look, I don't think going into hotel quarantine is is what we should be asking Victorians to do to get back to their homes. Uh, We've just got to uh, ensure that, you know, they do do the right thing and they honour that uh, situation. And, you know, that's it's not these people that are causing the trouble. Now, you know, like if people people just, you know, don't want to go and get tested or uh, uh, staying at home when they've got compromised health situations, look, there's... I mean, you can drive a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, seriously. 
What do you make of the current state of lockdown in regional Victoria? I mean, yes, there's been some complaints from businesses that we can't have more than 10 people, but I would take a weekend like last weekend uh, over any weekend where we're locked down. I mean, just being able to go more than 5K from home is a very big deal for me. So I'd prefer these situations, even though it may not be perfect for some businesses over where we have been in regional Victoria in the past, which is the entire area of regional Victoria locked down. Uh, well, Quite frankly, Mitch, uh, yeah, it might be okay for you and I to be able to go and get a coffee uh, more than five kilometres from our house. But if you're running a business uh, and you think you can open up for 10 people seated or 20 outside, even if you've got accommodation to seat 20 people outside, then you, you know, everybody's delusional. I mean, that, that wouldn't even pay for turning on the lights in most premises. This, this, a restriction was far harsher than they had at the height of their hotel quarantine disaster where there were, um, you know, space limits, density limits. So I don't think anybody thought this through. Most businesses that I spoke to, uh, especially pubs and uh, restaurants, just weren't in a position to open up for 10 people. Imagine the kitchen staff you've got to have the chefs, if they haven't left the country, uh, uh, the the expenses of, of doing all the opening up, it wasn't feasible. It's totally unfair. And to call it uh, an ending of a lockdown or easing of restrictions was just a fraud. Just on your new shadow cabinet, I was reading an article in The Age yesterday and it seems that some of your colleagues were a bit upset that perhaps they didn't get a position or they questioned whether the cabinet reshuffle had been done on merit or along who voted for who. Are you going to be a united team going forward to the election? Oh, I think it's a, a very uh, united team but also a very effective group of people who Matthew has chosen um, to... Uh, uh, prosecute the case that the Liberal Party needs to prosecute to win the next election. Um, I think there's a, a whole new approach to how we're doing things and I think it absolutely uh, was selected on merit and uh, you know, always there'll be somebody that's disappointed. That's inevitable in politics. Now I see that you've described the Bellarine Railway Reserve as a disaster waiting to happen. Can you explain <laughs> why and what would you like to see done? Well, there's uh, um, large levels of vegetation out of control along many areas of the uh, railway. And I was out there recently when we were allowed to sort of meet, even though we were meeting on the roadside by the railway line, and you could just see the debris that exists. So, you know, we're running... Um, you know, trains along this area and people are riding their bikes and walking and running along the rail trail, um, it's very unsafe. And when the railway group, uh, you know, want, were needed to remove all this uh, out-of-control vegetation and debris, uh, they were stopped by Dwelp because, um, well, I'm not really sure, probably because there was a a tussock of native vegetation that they were concerned about. And they said that they had to do it by hand and they couldn't use machines. Uh, and that, that is just patently ridiculous. And there's, there's a whole lot of groups involved in this argument. And, uh, you know, there were, there were one group putting seats in, uh, along the reserve where that would have meant that 
no SES ambulance or fire or police vehicles would be able to get along the reserve. It needs to have very clear access for all the emergency uh, service vehicles and uh, it needs to be made safe and it's not safe. And if the government uh, don't act and they want people to move stuff by hand, well, they need to bring some of their bureaucrats out of out of head office in Melbourne to come out there and move the debris by hand if that's what they're insisting they want in such a ridiculous fashion. And I see that you're concerned about a state purchasing contract, which seems to mean that various um, local councils, schools, kindergartens have to choose from a very small number of banks. Yes, well, in many areas in, in my part of my electorate in rural Victoria, across rural Victoria, actually, uh, the, the major banks have left town. Um, you know, they've decided it's not feasible for them to operate. That's their prerogative. But um, in many areas, community banks have sprung up uh, to fill the gap. Now, they not only depend on, you know, individuals in those local areas becoming um, clients, but they depend on bigger accounts, maybe the kindergarten or the health centre and so on. And for the government to say, well, no, all these uh, semi-government or government authorities must bank with the big banks, I think it's extremely unfair because these community banks do put a lot of money back into the local community. I'm not sure that happens with the big banks. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Interesting times ahead, of course, with the new uh, role that you have and the new leader of the opposition and the new shadow cabinet. So we'll keep tabs on that. We'll talk to you again next month. Thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you. Beverly MacArthur there, MP for Western Victoria and also the shadow minister or the shadow assistant minister, I should say, uh, for scrutiny of government. The shadow minister is, in fact, James Newbury. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.